I think the, so the best praise I ever got from a mentor came from him, which was I had presented a case study and he said nothing. And he just said, <laughs> looks good. Don't have any questions. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 325 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the Game Dev Comedy Podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the game's programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm the biz developer. I'm Sam, and I'm the artist. Wait, yeah, are we all drunk? Show? <laughs> oh, man. It is the morning. I didn't so realize that morning. all three of us just at random did a thing we never do, which was get drunk in the morning right before a podcast. Oh, yeah. We just did it. Just it's by Thursday. Just it's by like chance. when two people show up wearing the, a shirt the same color to work, you know? Yeah, we oh, all just showed up with tequila shots in hand though. today. Yep. We were like, what? You too? Oh. Yep. Yep. We woke up and we said, it's Thor's day. Let's bring the hammer down. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh also, this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is August 19th, 2021. There's going to be swears in this show, and now it's time to thank our supporters <laughs> over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. I'm just blowing through this intro. Got a good That's radio cool. voice. So can, Seth, go. Must be like so we can get to the real thing. Uh, we do have a new supporter. Mm, let's get some, let's get some NPR voice in here, too. You know? Oh, yes. Ooh. Yeah, one of you guys will have to pick up the slack on that one. Hmm, fair enough. Uh, but because uh, I'm on, I'm in full radio mode. Okay, yeah, hit, just okay. do it. Shock jock us. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so we got a donation from Ribdot from moneygrab.bscotch.net. Ribdot says, hey, bros, I got here using bscotch.coffee to help validate Adam's efforts. Thank you. <laughs> That's all I ever wanted was just somebody, oh, to, somebody to do that. <laughs> Yep. Here's a coffee's worth of money for each bro for providing great laughs and lessons. P.S. I'm hoping this money goes to securing a 12 foot skeleton for each of you. <laughs> so we can hear more. You know, my we'll wife and I are, are waitlisted for our own uh, personal budget. But if you bought us three coffees at the rate that whatever that website, Ko-Fi, uses, or I guess that we chose. I don't, know, I don't remember how it works. I think it's uh, four bucks per then, coffee. Then you will have purchased one year of us owning. Beescotch.coffee. So, you know, that's, oh. that's pretty dope. Thanks so for that. It just kind of all came full circle, you know? Yeah, but I'm mostly concerned. I'm mostly interested in that skeleton. Well, now we're $12 short, honest. though, because of buying Beescotch.coffee. So we'll have to – hopefully we'll get some more donations to make up for that. I assume everybody has a, a like a separate bank account that's nicknamed 12-foot skeleton fund. Yes. That's just sort of like 10% of your income goes into. Is that yep. – that's normal, right? Fund. Yep. That's what I've been setting aside since we talked about it. Yeah. I like earmarking stuff. Okay. It's easier that way. I saw I saw some scene. I think it was on TikTok, but – because the, the spooky stuff is starting, you know. So we're oh going to see that. Yes. That content. Yeah, it is August. It's August. I got to say yeah. that Halloween's <laughs> – Halloween creeping into other parts of the year, I'm perfectly fine Oh, with. I want it to creep into the – it hasn't creeped enough. I mean it, – like, I know. And it's spooky. Its whole thing is supposed to be creeping. It's supposed to be creeping. You know? Yeah. So if, any Halloween, if any holiday is going to creep, <laughs> it's, it's going to be – Halloween. Yeah, it's not, it's not yeah. in everything yet, which is a big bummer. But it was a spectacular scene uh, where they they had out on their lawn they had gotten some like human sized like normal person sized skeletons that were poseable and stuff, and then they they created this scene where it was where it was one skeleton pushing a lawnmower and then nice. two skeletons behind it like cleaning up bones like with they had a, they, had, they had like brooms or not brooms uh, <laughs> what do you call the things that you, a rake right? so they're like raking up skeleton parts. 
Were the rakes made of bones? It. No, there was regular rakes. Oh, but then, but then, like, so the, the person was like painting the camera across. So you see, so first, you see the skeletons like sweeping this or these bones up, right? And then you see a skeleton mowing. You're like, what's going on here? And then they show the front of the mower, and the mower is on top of another skeleton, right? <laughs> <laughs> who now, who now is just like a rib cage and a head, and, and the rest of the bones have you know flown apart. And then in front of that are two more skeletons fleeing. So in like running poses. <laughs> They're spectacular. So this is basically a three versus three skeleton match where three of the skeletons are being chased by a skeleton with a mower Mm -hmm. who has two skeleton cleanup crews. It sounds more like one of those billionaire uh, island hunting things. It does. Yeah, it does. Go there and start hunting regular people because someone's got a lawnmower in this situation and two cronies and there's three people just running away. So this seems like a very unfair. It is interesting though that that for the – for the the murder team, that two of the three roles are just are just cleaning up parts, you know. Yeah, and the implication, yeah, the implication is that the mowing skeleton is really really good at their job. Yeah, and it's yeah, for some right, reason right. important not to leave skeleton debris everywhere. Yeah, you well, got to rake seen, them up. Yeah, we've seen in the movies they re they reattach them, like they kind of like have a that's uh, true. Yeah, know, yeah, a soul gravity to them. They kind of suck yeah. them back together and reform as just skeletons. Right. So you got to separate or just kind of like clobber them into a bag and like a big mix so they get confused. Mm, that's yeah. And then pick yeah. up and keep the parts separated afterwards. Yes. Overwhelm. Yeah. That makes sense. It's like a D it's like a DDOS attack, right? Like mm-hmm. if the skeleton bones have too many parts to attach to, yep. they can't really get it. Yep. Everything's querying out. everything and then nothing yeah. can actually talk. Yep. And then you got like a finger situation. bone stuck to a kneecap and it's like, this is, this isn't going to work at yep. all. Yeah. Probably the yep, easiest so. way to defeat it actually is to just take one of the bones, soften it somehow. There's probably something you can do for that, you know, but, and then just turn it in on itself. So the two ends connect to each other and oh. now they're just stuck in an infinite while loop. Yep. You know? yep. Yeah. Or just break it. Mm, that's also, also does that, that work? Would, that would be effective. <laughs> Which is what would happen if you tried to bend a bone into a circular loop. Uh, Do you think now, bones listen, bend guys. like spaghetti? You know, like we talked about previously, where if you bend spaghetti in half, it explodes into at least three parts every time. I don't really want to think about that. I've never broken. <laughs> I've never broken a bone. <laughs> And I'm not going to. Bones ever. do not always compound fracture, Adam. If that's the question, they do break clean. They do. So, are you sure there's not a tiny piece in there that's the third piece? You know, I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure there's there's you like just probably little you just don't see jaggedy it. edges in there. But yeah, they do break yeah. clean. Bones are not noodles. That's the lesson. You know. Well, now you know. You know, you heard you heard it here. Yeah, it's pretty listeners. annoying that like either you got to have bones or you got to have an exoskeleton, or else you're just a goo. Like those are your two choices, mm-hmm. and uh, that's where that's what we're stuck with. Either you've got you've, you're full of uh, structural supports. It's fucking weird. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, now listen, you guys. What we didn't do any questions last week. Just no, just none. No yeah, questions. Was, uh, from listeners. That was a bit of a runaway situation we had. Uh, so this week we're gonna do all questions except for that. Except we're talking about skeletons, which we just did. But other than that, it's going to be all <laughs> questions. Uh, so we're, let's just get right into it. Let's go. You guys ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so these questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net, where our listeners can ask questions and then also vote on each other's questions. And then we just, you know, we just get the top ones, just burn through the list very slowly. One just episode burn at through time. it. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. one of those like smoldering underground trash so, fires that you don't even know is there, sort of a situation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sort of a crock pot. 
So let's go to the highest upvoted question, which comes from Epijump Boilvarka, who says, <laughs> who says, this is a bit of a long one, so you guys are going to let me get through it. All okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. All right. I'll shut up. Who says, yes, shut up. All right. <laughs> <laughs> says, we all have different ways of coping with our individual have-to-dos that just have to be done or else it becomes unmanageable if ignored. For example, I've been using your podcast to endure the weekly lawn mowing and yard work, which is something I personally didn't enjoy but kind of look forward to now. What life hacks have you guys used to power through the half-twos of game development, life, or business? Question over. Maybe Uh we should answer a simpler question to start with, which is just what are the have-twos? You know what I mean? In the life sphere, in the... In the dev sphere, mm, yeah. well, I mean, pooping for, is definitely one of us up I mean, there. Yeah. You got your you basic that one. Your basic needs. I'll just roll all that in, which is just yeah, being, you got to eat, keeping you gotta your sleep. body alive. Yes, that yeah. takes up. I mean, to be real, like a good a good amount of your day, half the day, <laughs> body maintenance. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yep. And you okay. can't uh, and you can't delegate that stuff to other people. And you also nope. can't refuse to do that stuff. So that's pretty clear cut. I bet you Jeffrey Bezos these. has tried, though. Like, I feel like if you've got enough <laughs> money, at some point you got to be like, there must be a way. Yeah. There must be a way that I can pay someone else to sleep for me. <laughs> or to poop for you. I guess you could do that because you could basically How do just, I outsource this? Yeah, because somebody could just go give you like a you know colonic irrigation while you're just like hanging out doing stuff, you know. So you just you, carry up. That would be – a colonic irrigation? <laughs> is that a, an, I'm, I'm, an I'm upset because yeah. that sounds like it's a thing. You know what I mean? Is it? Oh, yeah. I, I don't know. There's a term for this. This is a – because there are people who do this, like uh, people who, who believe in like, oh, there's toxins in your in your blood or whatever. And so they need to do these like uh, colonic Colon cleanses. cleanses. Yeah. Because that Cause literally somehow is – Somehow just, that cleans your blood, I guess. But Yeah. I mean because, you know, what, what's, sure. what's in the – Poop is in the blood, as the yeah. saying goes. You know, yeah. Do those people uh, know that your gut microbiome is really important for your overall health? I mean, if those people knew things about how science worked, then or just none anything, of this stuff really. would be happening. Yep. Uh, but there's the thing, though. It's, it's a whole. It's a, there's an industry. There's a whole. There's like machines. There's the whole thing where they just basically start shooting water up there and then pulling it all back out. You wow. Know? So, so in theory, you could have somebody poop for you by. Having them do that, and you have to do it enough that you got used to it, so that you, you have to get used to it enough that you could carry on with your day, sort of while it's yeah, going if it's on. Which happening. I feel like, you know, I feel like there's just no way. No, I feel like there's no way. So okay, so so life there. hacks. So all right, so there's a few things that you're definitely just gonna have to kind of do. Mm-hmm. Okay, to maintain I will the fact say that though, you are an embodied, you are an embodied person. You have a body, right? You don't get to, mm-hmm. you don't get to not participate in the fact that you have a body, it's aging, it's getting older, you're asleep, you gotta sleep, you gotta eat, etc. Okay. So what about like your home maintenance stuff? So you're talking about mowing the lawn, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's just kind of maintenance. It's like stuff that you gotta do that has a lot of it's maintenance. Know. Yeah. So my my number one trick always is trying to figure out first how to not and then second, if I can't not, then how do I minimize the long term costs of the thing by changing it. Or reframing it. And then even and then and that's paired with another thing, which is can I not specifically? Is there some is there some way that delegate? So we start we start with can we not? And the answer is well, we, you know, we in the very collective sense must, yes. 
then you say, okay, well, how do we make this as cheap as possible, just from a every kind of cost perspective? And then you say, are there people whose job it is to do this, you know? And can I afford to hire them to do it? I mean, if the answer to both of those things is yes, then I don't do it. To do that. Hire, yeah. to hire the person instead. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know. That's that's an option. Uh, yeah. I, I agree with the framing thing, though, because I think um, – yes. like I had mentioned, I think, in the last episode, how we hadn't mowed – or did I mention this? No, this was this was from just earlier in the week. We had the conversation, mm-hmm. right? I think so. Because like, yes, yeah, correct. Okay, okay. So here's here's a little a little thing that happened this past weekend, which is springtime is very rainy nowadays in yep. Missouri. Okay, like it gets real rainy for like a month, to the point where there's very few windows of opportunity that you could actually like squeeze in a lawn mow mm-hmm. around your normal schedule. And it just so happened this spring that, that of course, the time when you need to mow the most is when it's raining the most because the grass is growing like crazy. But also you can't mow because everything's wet and raining all the time. Mm-hmm. So uh, we we hired a lawn mowing service to come just because, like, we just couldn't get out there, right? And then they're like, oh, yeah, you know, like, you can just have us come back every two weeks. And we were like, yeah, sure, let's just do that. So did that uh, and then just kind of let that – let that subscription just kind of hang out for a while. Okay. So we had the conversation then like a couple of weeks ago. It's like, you know, I don't think we need, we could just do it. Like it's dry out now. We've got plenty of time. We don't need to, we don't need this anymore. Cancel the subscription. Mm. I go out there and mow myself now for the first time in several months. And I realized that mowing the lawn was the one thing that like I definitely needed to do outside in the yard. Other stuff like pulling weeds or, mm-hmm. you know, just like, Picking more, up sticks. Slightly more rare events. Yeah. Yeah. There's stuff that also like if you don't do it, like it it doesn't look great, but also like it's fine. Pe- it's not it's not nearly as egregious as a lawn that hasn't been mowed for two months, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's pretty terrible and your neighbors are mad and like everybody's mad, right? So you gotta mow, but everything else is pretty low key. So I just really had not been out in the yard doing pretty much anything since we hired this lawn mowing mm-hmm. service. Okay. And as a result, the just everything out and outside of our house j- has just turned into an absolute nightmare. There's mm-hmm. vines climbing up the side of the house, tangled up in the power lines. I mean, the the air conditioner is like enclosed in a giant sh- like shrub now. Like the, everything's everything's <laughs> just terrible. Okay, turns out grass so, isn't the only thing that grows when it rains mm-hmm. a lot. One of those. Yeah. So mm-hmm. and of course, of course, like what happens then is you know you you pay this person to mow the lawn. And they're seeing this stuff, but it's not their job. They don't give a shit. <laughs> so, so as they're mowing around, they're like, they'll, they'll probably think to themselves, damn, like that vine is really out of control. And then they just carry on with their day and don't say a word, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, three weeks go by, four, five, six, eight, whatever. And it's even more out of control. So uh, I've kind of reframed. So after I, after I mowed, I, I got some like all kinds of cutting equipment. I just I was just out there for another like 30 minutes, just like just absolutely wrecking these plants. Okay. <laughs> And so, so I've, I've now kind of reframed it as like, I should definitely do this, uh, because it is the case that it's just way better for my sort of state of mind to, to routinely see all the stuff outside and have a better sense of what's going on and not have kind of like a worry in the back of my mind of like, that I haven't checked on things in a long time, Mm -hmm. you know? So there's like a nice immediate short-term benefit of 
just like getting out there and just doing stuff that extends beyond just the, mm. the chore itself. You know? Yeah. Well, this, this all depends on uh, this is because this is a structural and a combo structural invisibility problem, right? Yeah. Um, if because, you don't see something, then you, yeah, you if you don't know, see something and, do and, and, and especially if you have ADHD, then, you know, then you're not going to know that things going on there. So, so our, cause we have the, we have a similar thing, but our solutions are different because of just what our setup is and what our options are. Right. Cause you guys have a pretty big yard, and so the option of turning that into a thing that's not a lawn is an extremely huge project, right? So uh, versus in my yard, because we're more in the city and we, we uh, just have smaller lots. Um, then, and when we moved in, the prior owners had already done a bunch of landscaping around our little yard. So that sort of the outer part was already either just like a, a handful of big plants, you know, then mulched. Or, uh, or a fairly wild region underneath trees that you can sort of not pay attention to. Um, and so for the first few years, I still was like mowing that little tiny strip that was left, you know, and I hated it. Uh, so that's so like, then, it's so small too, that it feels like, exactly. I was like, well, I guess I should just do this. Why? And the, but I, also I, why yeah. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't that it was hard. It was just that every, every few weeks would be like, Oh fuck, it's getting really long again. You know? I got to mow this like postage stamp. Yep, and then, yeah. <laughs> and then and then stuff would start to creep into it, you know, from the from other parts of the yard, and so then like creeping Charlie, that particular mm-hmm. kind of plant would come in and stuff. Mm-hmm. And at some point, there was, I guess it was last 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 summer. I was just like, I'm, I don't want to do this anymore. So I hired a company to come just destroy all that grass and and put uh, mulch over it. So now it's a thing that doesn't need to be moan mode moan mode. I want to say mode. Yeah, is that right? <laughs> Yes. Mode. Mode. Yeah. Um, so now I don't have to mow that anymore and just have to pull some weeds periodically that, you know, that can make their way through. Mm-hmm. And so I've changed the shape of that work. Yeah. But that's cut, still cut the part down that's visible. Yeah, cut down on the work. Yeah. But then the front of our house, since because our, our garage is in the back. So visitors enter through the front, but we don't. Mm, right. So we almost never see the front of the house. <laughs> and so every once in a while, then uh, when I actually do go out for some reason, like we go on a walk or whatever. Uh, and I'll leave them be like, oh shit, like this has you know, gotten out of control while I, while I wasn't around. And I still did the same thing there where, you know, I, I put out as much mulch as I could and the, the plants that are already there and their kind of little ecosystem they have is already set up in a nice enough way that it doesn't, it takes it a few weeks to start out to of control. A is, yeah. 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 So, so now by having everything in this nice cadence that matches with roughly the frequency with which I see it based on my life, you know, then, uh, then I don't. I can still farm these things out. So I still have a company periodically come and do like a big batch of work, so that I can wait until it's accumulated. Because the way that everything is set up, things can accumulate without it looking like I've let my yard go to chaos, right? But the only reason I can do that is because I don't have grass. So you've got a you've got a a robust. So for so for starters, we we've talked in the past on the podcast about the can we not principle, which yes. is what you're talking about, which yes. is basically like. Uh, your first, if there's something that you just like really hate to do, mm-hmm. just always try to figure out how to how do you just, not do you it? know, definitely not do it. But also there are consequences to not doing it. Yep. Like in in my case, the the vine just absolutely just destroying the side of my house, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Adam did the smart thing, which was saying like, given that, given that I don't want to do this and because I don't want to do it, I'm also going to not really look at it much or see it much. Mm-hmm. How do I set it up so that if it I just, don't It's not fragile. It, because right. yeah, grass actually, is fragile yeah. because yeah. it doesn't take very long before it's too high. And then – and there's not – there's just no room there, right? 
but for other kinds of landscaped areas, they can get very different than you intended them to be. And people aren't sure, right? If it's, if that's what you intended or not. And so the room for not even error, but just the wiggle room that you have before you have to do something is just way bigger. And that's yeah. Scenario. So in terms of so like you, you, there, you can either choose to just not do a thing, right? Which is like, that, that's just a straight up, like we're actually just not going to do this in this way or whatever else. And then you can do mm-hmm. the, the, okay, given that, that something must be done, but we don't want to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. We were going to instead solve the, just solve a different problem entirely, which instead of saying like, how do I, oh God, I have to mow this yard every week. Uh, instead of being like, a, like maybe I'll just not or delegate it and being like, how can I make it so I have no yard to mow, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you also have the reframing one, which is which is moving into the space of being like one. So it's sort of like the, the switching of the things that you have, feeling like you have to do to things that you get to do, right? All right, sorry for this. If this gets a tiny bit weird, there was a tornado warning, which means there was enough act- tornado activity that the government was like, bwah, 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 and my phone got really loud and then I had to run to a basement for about 40 minutes. So we're going to pick it back up, you know, smack in the middle of this question of uh, how to sort of think about all the stuff you got to do that you have to do, but maybe you don't necessarily want to be doing. Uh, so Adam had mm-hmm. one sort of final part of thought. Yeah, so the parting the parting thing is is when I mentioned a bunch of things that I try to do, where uh, two of them are convert the problem into a different kind of problem, and the other one is have somebody else do it, do do the thing, right? Uh, so both of those though are potentially high investment uh, activities, right? Because um, if you're going to change the shape of the problem, that might mean so. In the case of like a yard, it might mean tearing up your yard and then buying a whole bunch of mulch or whatever, right? Or hiring somebody else to do it. Um, and depending on the problem, the scope of what it means to change it and the cost of what it might mean to hire somebody else to do it can can be pretty high. It can be very wide. So then the other thing, the other, the other thing that I do is is because uh, we, we all have just access to whatever you know privilege and wealth we have access to to do these things. But then within that, uh, I this the, my value system for the stuff that I buy and spend money on doesn't move into territory where I have like an, a really nice car, right? Or where I have a new car. Every My car is 10 years old, right? So, like, so, so I don't spend money in those places so that I have more money to spend in other places. That, think about budgeting. It's a budgeting about thing. About allocation right? of resources. Yeah, because cause this whole thing yeah. is an allocation of resources problem, right? And because of how we're all trained to uh, to like certain things and to compete with each other in certain ways, um, and all this kind of stuff, there's a lot of things that all of us are doing, and even even independent of the the competition part. But just we're all brought up thinking that things work in a certain way, but all of it is arbitrary. Almost everything you do, you're doing just because, and you haven't even thought about it, and haven't realized that you don't have a reason to be doing that thing, right? So a whole huge fraction of your life already is spent doing things that you probably could stop doing or at least do differently. And a huge fraction of your, of your uh, financial situation uh, is probably going towards things also that you do just because, because that's what people do. Because that's what right? you do. And, uh, and so part of the puzzle is, is when you're trying to solve you know, one specific thing, we're like, I have to do this. 
The first question, of course, is, well, do you really, right? But when it comes to solving it, assuming you do have to do it, you're going to need to free up resources to allow for that solution to happen. So when you identify this one problem, what that really is, is a signal that, hey, now you need to go identify all the other problems too, right? And ask the same question over again and ask, how do I free up resources? Because the stuff that you're not thinking about as stuff that I have to do that's bugging you um, could still be stuff that you actually don't have to do, right? Uh, and, and it's hard to see that because the signal that something is wrong because you feel bad or bored or whatever, right, is very clear. It's very strong, right? It's easy to recognize that and say, oh, something should be done here. But when things seem fine, that's also just arbitrary and depends on your situation and how, how your own brain works and, and all this other stuff, right? And so things seeming fine can also hide all kinds of stuff that is fine. It's not impacting you in the like negatively in the moment, right? But might actually be, in a way, causative with respect to the problem that you're dealing with. Right, so, you're, so you're talking about kind of like proximal cause versus root cause. Yeah, because why do you right. have to mow the lawn, right? Because you have a lawn. Because you have you? a lawn. Why do you have a lawn? Because that's yeah. a weird American tradition that started in the 50s as part of, you know, whatever, this whole thing. Uh, like that's, that's the actual reason. It's arbitrary, right? But depending on where you live, you might be under an HOA that says you do, in fact, have to have a lawn, right? And it has to be mowing this amount or whatever. Um, but those are your – because that, that's the thing to, to figure out is what is the real source here of, of all of this kind of stuff? Um, and, and it might be like you can, you can find yourself in really weird outcomes if you start digging deep and allowing yourself to go broad as well. Because if, for example, you start thinking about that and you realize, wait a second, I don't even like having a yard, right? Or mm-hmm. like I don't even use it. It's just there. It's just decoration. I have it because – and I looked for it when I got my place, right? Because – you're supposed to. You're supposed to have a yard. Uh, but I don't, I don't even like it. I don't even like going outside. Or as you're thinking about your house, you might be like, I don't even use this whole room, right? There's like, it's just story. There's just stuff in there. It's not even, it's not used for anything. Then you might suddenly realize after a little bit of like thinking more broadly, like shit. Yeah, you've just been kind of. I'm in the wrong stuff. space, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, this is. I need a. I need a place that I've that I've chosen for me for like the way that I. Think about things, right? Because I've had this, we've probably talked about all these on the podcast over time, uh, not from this specific original question, but it's all really the same, right? So, like, so my, I'll just give one example and then I'll be done with the topic. Uh, both my, my wife and I, when we got our place, we picked it because we liked it. And then we tried to figure out how to turn it into the kind of thing you're supposed to have, right? Where you have certain kinds of rooms, right? And they're set up in a certain way so that when guests come over, they understand what's happening, right? And so that we have like a guest bedroom was the idea so that there'd be a space. But the, because of the kind of house that we have, that never made sense as a thing to have that room locked away uh, for that purpose. And we also never have people stay over, just never. Yep. And so we had, I think maybe once, and it was a very uncomfortable experience because of course we had to half-ass it because of how, how the thing was set up. And at some point we were just like, wait a second, why do we have to have a guest bedroom? Yeah, you've you set know? aside an entire room for yeah. like a one time per two years. Like a, like a fifth of my <laughs> whole house. Right, exactly. A fifth of the whole house is just like sitting there, yeah, what's not being about? used. And then I'm over here trying to figure out, ooh, like, oh, I need to get a desk so I can now start working from home. And so I go tuck myself into a tiny corner, you know, where there's still some room left got, in other spaces yeah. so we can leave. you got to preserve that guest bedroom. Yeah. And know? so then at some point yeah. I was like, no, I don't. I don't have to do this. Like there are hotels nearby, you know, uh, and, and I, I don't have to do that. 
And if I like, if I had somebody who I wanted to have come hang out who wasn't from here, then if I needed to pay for a weekend for a hotel because they couldn't, that's still better than me locking away a fifth of my house for, <laughs> for like the, for the full, for all of time. And uh, yeah. So yeah, so it's that kind of realization where you then think like, oh, okay, wait, you know, if I, if I actually think about why I'm doing things the way that I'm doing, what resources I'm locking away, how I'm using all of my stuff, um, you start to get access to like all the things that you can now take away or do differently to now make room for the stuff that you believe you have to do. And often it's the answer is you don't have to do whatever that thing was. Um, another another good example, actually, so it is, it's the last one, though, I promise you, <laughs> is, uh, is if you decide to have pets, right? Uh-huh. Having pets in the house, also like small children, is in direct conflict with what, what your house is supposed to be for guests, right? It's supposed to be clean. Every room is supposed to be as if it came out of a magazine, you know? Like, that's what we're all taught. Yep. And it's supposed to be a, a bed and breakfast. It's supposed to be a B&B style yeah, exactly. thing. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So it's supposed to be that, right? But- if you want that space to be a nice place to for your family unit that consists of pets and or children, then it's going to have to be chaotic because that's what it – Because pets and children, are, pets chaotic. children are chaotic, right? <laughs> they like to play with things. They need access to stuff to do in all these different places. And they don't – they like pets destroy furniture and kids don't also care about furniture. furniture. <laughs> they, don't, they don't have as many claws, you know, so I don't know how much they destroy it. But, uh, but, but, that, but that's the point, right? And so that was one of the big things that we realized at some point was – it's okay if we actually allow our spaces to be comfortable for our cats too, right? So we have scratching posts in every room and like trees everywhere. And we have litter boxes in multiple places in the house so that the cats have access to them and all this kind of stuff, right? And, uh, and the end result is that now if a guest comes in, what they're going to see is some, is some, is some pet. It's a place that pets live in very clearly. And- well, two people and some pets. Two people and some pets. Very clearly, that's what this place is. Yeah. And that's fine because we live here. You know, this is like, this is where this we spend space. all of our time. So it should be designed for us first. And then, and then we figure out how do we now bring people in here without it being a weird thing. Right. And uh, yeah. And so, so it turns out that because so much of the shit that we do is not consistent with who we actually are individually, that there's a lot of room there. For it's a lot of wiggle room for getting rid of all of these have tos that you believe you have to. There's a lot more of those than you think that you actually don't have to do, and especially because you're not thinking about most of them, right? So you got this one thing that's bugging you, but there's a million others that you also well, I guess that one who knows if you have to do, but all the others, there's so many that you don't have to do or that you could change. Um, and the point of all of that being, you may have to trade resources to accomplish something that you want to accomplish in terms of not doing a thing or doing a thing differently. Well, this is why I'm a big advocate for the idea that the best gift you can give to anyone is cold, hard cash. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's the most thoughtful gift that there is yep. because it's it's you saying you know what you need. And if I give you something, whatever that thing is, if it's an object, mm-hmm. there's a chance that that thing is going to end up interfering with your life in some way because now you've just got this thing. Yep. I gave you this thing, and then it ter- if it turns out it doesn't fit, it doesn't work, it doesn't. It's not your kind of thing. Now you've got to deal with it. Yeah. You just got to deal with having this thing that I gave you, mm-hmm. and then you got to figure out how to get rid of it, or maybe like, oh shit, I got to make sure I wear that shirt that he gave me when he's around, so that he knows that I, you know, mm-hmm. like it or whatever. No, just give someone cash, and that way they whatever things they want to do in their life, whatever problems they want to solve. 
they can do that on their terms, you know, mm-hmm. without like adding extra crap into their life uh, to then kind of deal with. Yeah. So, which that's kind of like a different angle, I think, on the idea of like just adhering to specific norms, mm-hmm. like how gift giving is supposed to work, just kind of arbitrarily. Mm-hmm. But, anyways, uh, I want to I move on to uh, the next question. Let's do okay. it. Uh, so, this question comes from Tim Conceivable, who says, I think you all talked a little bit about Falcon and Winter Soldier a while back. Did you watch WandaVision? And are you watching Loki? I have quite enjoyed these Marvel series and would be interested to hear your thoughts on them. Mm-hmm. So just to kind of zoom out a little bit. So these mm-hmm. are series that are on uh, Disney+. Plus. Yep. Um, I think they're the only three Marvel series so far. Uh, right. I don't know. They just come out so f- frequently. Um, but these are, I think these are the major ones in this like – because they, they have a name for each of the kinds of things they do, right? Because there's, the, there's the MCU, which is this specific implementation of the Marvel Universe with all the movies and stuff, right? And yep. then they have this like this now this is this like secondary thing they're doing where they have the TV shows about sort of secondary characters from the movies, not necessarily from the comics, because I don't know. But I assume people trade just how important they are to stuff over the past million years of the comics. Uh, but in terms of the MCU part, they're like, okay, here are these characters that don't get explored well in the movies, so let's like give them a, a little short um, – you know, deeper little series, right? And that's its own thing, because there's other there's other stuff too that's also Marvel, and I, and I like I keep on just I keep on noticing. I'm like, oh shit, that's another Marvel thing. Uh, it's just everywhere. Place. It's all over the place. So so, but yeah, I think for this kind of thing, whatever whatever that is, they're calling this thing. Those are the ones that are out currently. Yeah. So I've seen yeah. WandaVision and I've seen uh, Loki, and I watched the first half or so of the uh, uh, Winter Soldier, the Winter Soldier and Falcon um, one. So. All of them are – they're basically just like a six to ten hour Marvel movie, which is yeah. awesome, frankly. Um, mm-hmm. And they do – I think the thing that's so fun about them is it feels like – it feels like they gave the the creative team just like f- very much full authorship on just being like, you know what? Whatever you want to do, which is why WandaVision was so, – everyone was like, what the – ha- what is happening? Because it's a – that was a whole trip um, as far as how it starts and just like what stuff starts unraveling from it. And uh, and watching Loki, I watched it, I think, a couple weeks ago. Um, and it's kind of a similar thing where they're doing really actually subversive stuff uh, that in a lot of ways, in my mind, sort of like complicates the the general, like the higher level, like the movie stuff, right? As far as just how deep they're going onto some of these lore trains and stuff, where usually in the movies, it's only an hour and a half. You don't have time to get into like stuff, right? Versus Loki is literally all about like multiverse things and the fact mm-hmm. that Anything could happen. And, any, and any, time travel. Yeah, which, time travel. Yeah. Right? And so every time you get into that territory, like and now it's just sort of bonkers. It's um, nonsense. Yeah. But they do they do a weirdly good job uh, in, in both of the, the WandaVision and, and Loki of somehow like looking the nonsense, just right, just looking at it mm-hmm. and, yep. and knowingly naming it and then continuing on anyway in a way that somehow works. And it, like I don't quite understand exactly how it works. They don't try to over-explain. I guess is the short of it. Yeah, this is like what um, we talked about last week, right? With that question mm-hmm. about uh, what makes a story good, good. right? Yep. Where where so much of it was about the the uh, being able to to actually suspend disbelief without having to believe. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to believe that this is possible, but you need to be able to not be have such significant conflict between reality as you understand it and what the story is doing. And the key trick to that is to not over explain in a way that's clearly on purpose, right? 
because mm-hmm. it's it's now the storyteller wink wink nudge nudging at you and being like don't worry about this and Sam I yeah. think you're right like the that was my experience with Loki which is the moment you have a time travel movie pure horseshit right there's mm-hmm. it's it's just one big plot hole so you have to you have to be able to not think about it or have something else be like really fun and interesting about how they do it so that you can just say okay I'm just I'm gonna accept this and it's fine and Loki really does that because it is true the moment you start thinking about the ramifications of anything that's going on there. You're like, uh, wait, no, mm, I don't know about yep, this. It's not going to uh, work. <laughs> but, but they very clearly sort of like intentionally divert your gaze. And, uh, and I, think they, I think they nailed it. So, so for me, Loki was just fun. I just had a good time. I, was a little, there was, I can't remember. Now. There was something about how it ended that I was a little disappointed about. The ending wasn't but, quite satisfying. I agree. But yeah, it I wasn't quite overall, satisfying. But they're doing a really good job of nailing to me that what is like the Marvel storytelling vibe, which is – the, whoever's whatever group of uh, writers are was putting these together is well aware of the fact that like much of this doesn't make any sense once you scrutinize it, but they're very, very good at that sort of deft hand, like uh, di- you know, distraction to make sure that it all is just, it remains in that very fun territory. And so I, I've been very yeah, impressed. Yeah, with them they're they're really good great. at, yeah, they're good at keeping things moving so that the moment you, you would say to yourself, like you'd say like, wait a minute. And then mm-hmm. the next thing is happening already. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, for me, like I, I don't, it's hard to talk about these things without spoiling them, I guess. Yeah, it is. Uh, so I won't then. Yeah. I think, but, well, I think there's, but, yeah. but, I, <laughs> but um, the Loki show, I think the ending was not super satisfying because it actually wasn't an ending. I think yeah, it was intended it was, to set yeah. up the next Dr. Strange movie. Yeah. I think. So it was, yeah, it was clearly intended to set up something, which is, which is fine, but I also wanted it for its own sake to do, (laughs) yeah, to do something. Uh, But I, but I agree. It's probably, it's probably going to kind of all tie in. Okay. Um, And then it is because of course the Dr. Strange movie is all about time travel multiverse stuff. Right. Uh, And so, and also the, the, or the last Avengers. Um, Mm -hmm. Same, right. Same. And and this all intersects in an interesting way. And, and, and it's like, it's clear they're trying to kind of use it to explain some stuff to us or, or whatever. Um, uh, but they, they, again, they, they wink, wink, nod, nod at us the whole time. So they're like, we want to be able to do something is basically what they're telling us. Right. And so here's our hand wavy, vague ass rationale for doing it that we know is that. So just don't even worry about it. You want us to do this too, because you're going to have a good time. You know, that's, that's basically what's happening. I think what's impressive to me about, about Marvel's approach versus if you look at other, these other basically giant IP entities. So think like Star Wars, right. Um, is that they haven't. And I think this is also the problem that I've had with DC stuff generally, which is that Marvel is aware that their stuff is for fun, it seems. And so mm-hmm. they don't get trapped in this uncanny valley that I feel like both the uh, both the more recent Star Wars and then also uh, DC tends to get caught in, which is like trying to make it all make sense uh, instead mm-hmm. of just trying to like just make enough sense to focus on having a good time. And so I think as soon as you – like we talked about, like you, you kind of have to pick – which way you're going to fall on these things. Yep. I think Marvel's just done a good job. So yeah, I would. Yeah. If you're going to push I'm on it, making sense, then it better make sense. Yeah. Did you, did you yeah. guys see the, uh, the, the most recent um, suicide squad? Yes. So not yet. That, that I was, so that one, yeah, from a storytelling perspective, it was the same kind of deal as the other DC movies where at the beginning I was just like, I don't know why I'm watching these characters. I don't know why I care. <laughs> and they kept, and they kept doing the thing, which we've talked about the past two, where they, they keep mentioning a thing. That's like some important part of the story, right? But they don't tell you what it is for like the first 20 minutes or something. Mm-hmm. And so and so the whole time this, I'm just getting more and more angry because I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And this isn't an, <laughs> this isn't an interesting hint. You're just like, there's a reason we're all doing this, is basically what we're saying. They keep referring to the reason, right? Basically, mm-hmm. but yeah. you don't know what it is. So so I found like 
onboarding was for me was frustrating into that movie, but once they actually started like going, it was, uh, good. It was a blast. And, but they but they did yeah. it that way, right? Where 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 the whole thing is just over the top. It's ridiculous. It was clearly for fun. This mm-hmm. like the the main nemeses are so bizarre. Like the the the, the end. I'm gonna call it a boss because I, I feel like that makes the most sense. Yeah, and boss yeah, it's outrageous. Yeah. It's, it's a video game. Yeah, it's yeah. a video game. Yeah. It's it's spectacular. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and it's uh. So, yeah, so because of because of that, when it finally just said like we're just having a good time here, um, mm-hmm. and then finally started actually telling the story that I was trying to tell, that it was yeah, it was just fun. I had a good time with it. Yeah. Also, that nice. weasel guy, that weasel, oh god, weasel character was was yeah. one of the most horrifying, grotesque characters I've just I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It was just so they nailed it. Whatever it was they were trying I, to do with that thing. Fucking nailed it so hard. It was, <laughs> I was I was like laughing and horrified at the same time when they introduced this thing, and then the way the things unfold with that character is just so <laughs> abrupt and wild. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, that's a good time. Yeah, they're having a good time with it. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't seen it yet, but I I've heard enough about it where I'm like, yeah, I, mean, I mean, I'm gonna watch it. Yeah. You know? Oh, you gotta. I think the uh, the line line a line to me that that speaks to that point is the peacemaker guy. Where he says his name's Peacemaker, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Why is your name Peacemaker?" Yeah, just John people. John Cena, right? Yeah. John Cena. Yep. Yeah, he's like, "I love peace so much that I will kill any man, woman, or child who stands in the way." <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it's like, yep. and he just says it, and like fully his own, like himself is just like into it, and it's so he's like, he, he's like Team America, basically, mm-hmm. yeah, superhero. Yeah, and so it's <laughs> it's that level of ownership, I think, over just how fucking silly all this is when you really look at it that like this movie in particular just nails since I was it's the first one I saw yeah. on uh, the DC side that I was like excellent mm-hmm. recommend yeah I mean there was that um and was was the super or the superman movie that had general zod in it right mm-hmm. where it was like instead of drawing general zod out of the city to fight him superman just punched him through buildings yeah, for like 45 yep. minutes <laughs> yep it like like he was fighting General Zod because General Zod was bringing down this big old like machine that was gonna like he's gonna destroy the city. the city. So to to stop that from happening, Superman just destroyed the just just, just wrecked the whole city, mm-hmm. killed everyone. The, you know, but at least the bad guy court, didn't do it. You know, yeah. Well, and then like the conclusion <laughs> of that, which I'm gonna spoil because it's like a ten year old movie at this point. But like the conclusion of that is Superman kills General Zod. Mm-hmm. And he's like really shook, shook up about it because he's like, I don't kill people. That's like not my thing. Mm-hmm. After he's knocked all these buildings <laughs> down and killed yeah. probably thousands like, of people. And it's like not, none of this is landing the way that I no. think they were hoping it would. Well, that actually, that's, that, is, that is one of the things because I was thinking about this the whole time we we're talking about it because that's that's been part of what's bugged me about even the Marvel TV shows too is uh, is because one thing that they do really a really good job of is averting your averting your attention from the stuff that's a little nonsensical or plot holy, right? They do a really good job of that. What they don't do a good job of is diverting a, your attention away from the horror of what's happening sort of off-screen-ish. On the right? periphery. Like, yeah. On the periphery. The collateral, dam- the co- collateral damage yeah. genocide they, that happens yeah, in like every movie. <laughs> right. And, like, and every once in like one of the movies will like di- will, will actually tap into this, like the Spider-Man, the newer Spider-Man movies were um, – uh, there, there's uh, one one of the I don't want to spoil anything, but like, like one of the characters is basically like finding alien tech from the New York attack, whatever, and like and using that as like in weapons trade, right? Uh, and there's like there's kind of like this underbelly that's created, and the, and then people talk about this idea of how much the how much the city got completely fucked, and how 
how people are trying to recover from it, right? So like they kind of show you the dark side. And then with the with the Superman movie, then Batman versus Superman, which was quite the quite the thing that movie was. Mm-hmm. But it starts mm-hmm. with that premise too, where it's like, oh yeah, like Superman really fucked up a bunch of stuff, and Batman's whole thing is like, so nobody should be able to do that, right? So so they like they they touch it here and there, but while simultaneously uh, just constantly trying to move your attention from just how horrible to stuff. And like, even to, even the, the, the movie, um, that we were just talking about the suicide squad movie suicide where squad. suicide. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's yeah, one of the things yeah. that's, that's the happening is without spoilers yeah. Yeah. is, uh, is that basically there are people who, whose minds have been taken over. Right. And, uh, and the, there's, we don't know if it's possible to undo it. We don't know anything about that. We just know that, that their minds have been taken over. Right. And so the suicide squad people are just like, just mowing these people down. Just pe- there's people. Just regular ass people, just mind controlled people, just mind controlled people. They're just like mowing them down, right? And the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, you're just murdering people. You don't know like what's going to happen when, yep. when you do this. Yep. And uh, and they just like so quickly like try to make sure you don't notice that, right? And so that that is to me the <laughs> thing that I like. I think they struggle with the most with all of these shows is the yep. is the horror of it. That's um, pretty horrifying. It is, yeah. All right, now we got we got time for a la- for one last quick question, which comes so, from the writing friend who says. Oh. What's the best praise you've ever gotten from a boss, mentor, or other authority figure? So I, I got, I got one. So when I was in college, my last year of college, I decided I was going to do a finance major. I was most of the way there because I'd been doing some economics and business stuff, and I really just needed to take the advanced finance courses. So I did. We took all of them at the same time in one semester, and they were all taught by the same guy who is a feisty dude from Bangladesh with wild, white, curly hair, smoked two packs of cigarettes a day, and was always just just chugging Starbucks. <laughs> uh, I believe he was like, I, I believe he was independently wealthy because he's a finance professor and just is like, you know, real good with money, right? Um, and he took no shit from students, just, just at all. Um, and so most of his teaching style was basically he would teach a concept on some finance thing. He would give us a case study, uh, and then he would choose a student from the class to present their solution to the case study. And then he would just ask some questions. Uh, and he would not let people dodge or deflect any of his questions, and he would just pin them down until either they admitted they had no idea what was going on or that they didn't know what he was talking about, or that they hadn't thought about something, right? And so uh, I think the, so. The best praise I ever got from a mentor came from him, which was I had presented a case study and in he his said class, nothing, and he just said, <laughs> "Looks good. Don't have any questions." <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. That was yeah, it. I, th- I think it's the weird. Rest I just, I just like, I shed a tear. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I think yeah, a lot of things that end up being the most impactful are where someone who usually says a bunch of stuff doesn't, right? It's sort of the like the the student snatching the pebble sort of thing, right from the from the teacher's hand. Um, yeah, it's the no the knowing exchange. Like, okay, yeah, I think <laughs> I think I can't remember like a, a exact very specific what the conversation was, but I was talking with my mentor once. Um, I think it was maybe. I think it was before Crashlands uh, launched. And then even at that time, we were chatting, and he's about, I think, 
15, 20 years older than I am. Um, and he's, he's got the sort of, like he's put his life together in such a way that like, you know, he just like loves his day to day. Right. And it's, it's very thoroughly designed. You know, we're talking about a guy who has like an Excel spreadsheet of like all of the different aspects of his life that he wants to make sure he's doing. And every day like checks off, you know, got this, got this, got this, right. Um, very, very planned and design oriented person. Um, and we were chatting and, and he said, I told him what we were, I think what we were planning to do with, with, uh, with the launch of the game and all this other stuff. And he just said, he's like, man, he's like, you are 10 years ahead of where I was when I was 25 or whatever. And I remember looking at him cause I was like, but your life is fucking awesome. Like if that's the case, <laughs> right. It's one of those like, if that's it was the, the case, I think I might, I think I'm on track. Yeah. Thing. Uh, it's one yeah. of those kind of pieces. Uh, that was really nice. Um, but again, yeah, it wasn't, it's, I feel like weirdly, it's not, it hasn't been super direct, like good job praise. That's been the most memorable in that context. It's usually sort of slightly more roundabout stuff, at least in my memory. Yeah. Well, and actually it actually ties in nicely to what my situation is there, which is I'm, I'm struggling to think about exactly how to articulate it without it coming off very weird. Um, but the, uh, <laughs> I have no, I have no like recollection of, of an event like this where somebody like a mentor or whatever, right. Uh, gave some sort of praise and like that was impactful. Um, and I think that comes down to a few components, which is, um, one, I, I use basically purely internal mechanisms to decide if I've done well, because for me doing well is doing well, given how well I should do given the tools that I have access to. Right. And so that's, so I, when I, so I already know, I, I guess I already, I always feel like I know whether I've done a good job or a bad job or whatever. Right. But more importantly, I don't actually think about things in terms of good or bad at all. There's just like, here's the thing that I did. And I always do stuff to the best of my ability. So it is what it is. And either it's good or, or either it's useful or it isn't either it could have been better or it couldn't have been whatever, but it just is what it is. And so after that, now everything that comes next for me is just some kind of feedback slash measurement, mm. right? So if, so to talk to Sam's example, uh, having somebody else who you kind of have a sense of like where they are in their life or it could be work, you know, whatever, but where they are, um, that's a benchmark, right? right? That's somebody else has done some set of things and, and what they have now said to you. And, and this is basically feedback they provided, right? It, it's like came in the form of, of the sort of acknowledgement of, of, a sort of a praise basically. Right. But, but really what it was, was a piece of feedback, basically telling you something about how to measure what you were doing that you previously didn't have access to, right. Prior to the benchmark. And so, so that can make you feel in that kind of a scenario. If like, if the person that then gives you that feedback that suggests that you're not only on the right track, but surpassing this person, right. Or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, then it's easy to, to see how that would now be interpreted as like, Oh, this is like, this is a big deal. This is like piece of praise. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it's basically just always been, uh, it's always just stopped to kind of the feedback level where I've gotten really great feedback and feedback that I was glad to get, you know, uh, on many, many occasions. Um, but I haven't had a thing that I can remember anyway, that I would describe as like, as this, as like, as like this piece mm -hmm. of, of praise, like indicating that, that something went really well. Right. Because, uh, cause the, my takeaways are not, I guess I'm not judging myself based on those takeaways, Right. So I'm judging the stuff that I was doing and how I could do that differently. 
And so the emotional impact of like my own self image isn't really impacted Mm. if that all kind of makes sense. But so you, so you haven't had somebody who like you felt like really knew their shit and that sort of, if, if they liked something that you did, that you would have been like, nice. Mm-hmm. As, as in like, as in like, it's no. an extra sort of. No, uh, because, because I mean, the I problem is, I don't, is I don't know what they're measuring with either. Right. Cause that's, that's the part of it too is, is, uh, and this is the part that I was trying to figure out how to articulate, but I'm just going to say it. Um, yeah. which is, which is, uh, cause what this, cause what that means is that you believe that that person gets to decide what is and isn't good. Right. Um, so, so I don't think that's true. Well, it is. Cause as in like, if you're, if you're, if you're, cause you're, cause you basically have already decided that that person's like, whatever their view is that they're coming in with, that the fact that their view is the same as your view is like what makes the thing correct because they're correct. Right. No, you it's value. not being correct. It's that, that, that it's that there's somebody who you believe who's, whose views you respect because you believe that they are operating in a place farther, much farther along than, than you are. Mm-hmm. And that for them to look at what you're doing and basically give it a stamp of approval to say like, this appears to be on track, mm-hmm. right? Is it's not about right or wrong. It's about s- people who have been doing something for a long time, have a good chance of knowing a lot more than you do about, you know, that thing. Yeah. You're valuing, uh, you are valuing their judgment, basically their, their understanding, their expertise, right. In that way. It's just about respect. I think it's not about right or wrong. Well, and I guess that's it is because like, cause I guess the reason I haven't had this impact is because for me, it was never about me or the other person, you know, it's about do what tools do they have at their disposal to judge what it is that I'm doing. And it's not, a, and it's not about judgment either. It's about evaluation of sort of the practicality and accuracy or whatever of it. Right. Um, because by default, which has been, it's just always been true for me. I also don't believe other people know what they're doing. That doesn't mean I don't think they're doing some things like better than most, for example, or whatever. Right. Um, but I don't see the things other people are doing and think like, like that's the model of what I want. I think of it as, oh, here's a way of doing this. What can I learn from that? Right. But I'm also always evaluating where might that not work? Where might that fall apart? Because mm-hmm. my experience has been like my, through my entire academic career, all the way through my PhD, that all of the advisors I had, all the scientists that I, that I learned from and studied under and whose papers I read and all this kind of stuff, right? Uh, it's never, it's, it's just never as simple as that, right? Because people are super messy and there are people who I thought did really great work. And then I would hear some story about how they treated their grad students, right? Um, or there, or I could probably talk about in the past, like so much of academic science is trying to, trying to publish in these top tier journals so that you can get funding and all this kind of stuff. Right. And it requires being a little suspicious, a little sketch, a little sketchy <laughs> about how Lucky you present your work and what work becomes available so that, mm-hmm. you know, famously negative results are not published. Right. And so every time you see a new paper come out where they're like, Oh, we find a link between these two things. Right. What you don't get to see is how many times other people looked for that link and didn't find it, which is the most important piece of information from that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And it's all hidden, right? And so, so you go up and like seeing all these kinds of things and seeing like everyone's playing the game. And I can, and I can like, I can see how they tackle any one of these pieces of, of all of it, right? And, and for each one of those, I can learn from it. I can use it to evaluate what I'm doing. I can have them evaluate what I'm doing in relation to whatever that thing is. And so I can use it as a lot of benchmarks. But I don't really like believe that those are the benchmarks I'm targeting, if that makes sense. To me, they're all like 
unit measurement systems that I can use if I think about them enough to figure out like how is it useful for what I'm trying to do. Well, I think it has been the case that when we've interacted with some much larger, much well-resourced uh, studios and then talked about like Rumpus, for example, or sort of the, the shit that we've managed, that you've managed to do as far as putting together a backend that does all this magical stuff for us. Uh, there definitely have been times where you've been like, where afterwards you're like, I guess I did it sort of like on an enterprise level, right? The recognition, I think it's happened a couple of times. Well, no, usually it's framed actually the other way, which is like, which is like, why, why aren't other people doing it? (laughs) Uh, Well, no, I mean, I think think that that's usually step two, which is, which is like for the first one is this like uh, a validation when you're talking to one of these giant entities that like, Oh, holy shit, we did build a ridiculous thing and built it very well. Right. Like when you had your, maybe this is one. The 99.99% uptime thing that you found when once you dug into the Rumpus API logs. Mm-hmm. Right? Maybe it's not a mentor in that case, but that certainly was one of those things where you were like... Yeah, it's a measurement system to ask, yeah. to ask how effectively did I accomplish what I was trying to do, right? Yeah, but that's, so, I think that's, that's, that's just what these... These are in a, in a person-to-person context. It's the same idea as the 99.9% uptime thing on the Rumpus API. Right? Yeah, Which and I, like, think, I think it, it's, it applies the most when you're really early into a thing, right? Like, you need a mentor yes. the most when you're when you're pretty bad at stuff and don't have a lot of ways yourself to understand how to measure how good or bad you're doing. Uh, and so the mentor just becomes that uh, their feedback becomes your measurement device. At, 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 yeah, at no, yeah, start, no, I don't disagree right? with that, but I think actually yeah. this, the 99% uptime is a really good example because what I also did when I saw that is started trying to figure out how could this be incorrect, right? Cause I was like, cause it was, it was like a, it was good. It was, it was important to me to see that the thing that I tried to do, which was have basically hundred percent uptime, right? That was my goal. So it was important to see that I, that I achieved that, you know, using that, that benchmark, right? But I also know that every benchmark is itself uh, fallible. And in fact, mm-hmm. always is somehow an error. There's no way around cause like there's no truth, right? There's just, there's just shades of things that are more accurate than others for some. Oh yeah, you're, you're not wrong. Yeah. I mean, I think like the case study that I put together very likely was a piece of shit. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but given, and also uh, if I had been studying finance, you know, over these past 10 years, there's a decent chance that if I reflected on a lot of the stuff that I learned from this professor, that not all of it holds up, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but that, you know, in the moment, it was it was still very good praise, and I still felt good about it. I'm not arguing anything. I, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm explaining my own own experience, right? Uh, which is to say that like that's not I wouldn't describe my own experience in this way of having like been pumped to have gotten praise from like a mentor, right? Um, I've been glad that a metric was something that I was able to I think hit, you know, right? But always in a Distrustful in way, a, in a skeptical, in way. a skeptical way that that all, that wasn't about the person or about me as a person, and therefore the idea of the praise part is what's not really there. If that kind of makes any sense, uh, or not, or sorry, not something that's impactful to me, um, which is just it's just another data point. Yeah, I mean, and just that's just, to, to that's just how my brain works, you know. Like, yeah, it's not. It's not mm-hmm. I'm not arguing that this isn't that this isn't a real thing experienced by other people, or that this is the right way to do it. Oh yeah, right? yeah. No, this I, is yeah, just, just it's just it's just interesting. I'm just trying to trying to explore explore. Yeah, well, this, I mean, yeah. This is the fun uh, stuff about you know, how everybody has different perceptions of what things mean, right? Uh, is this question of because we don't live each other's experiences, and therefore words about experience are very 
slippery because you think you know what they mean, but that's because you know what they mean in relation to your own experience. And so then when you try to match that against somebody else, once you start digging into it, you start finding yourself asking questions like, what does it mean to be glad? You know, like, what does it mean to, to be like happy that you got praise? Cause now you got to start asking about, cause you're assuming it's a universal experience, right. but yeah. Cause, cause and like, I, I mean, find this, I find this really frequent. Actually, like my wife and I talk about this a lot where like, we'll say some phrase that people just say about something, right? Some, something there's like an emotive element to it. It's about like a relationship to somebody else or whatever. And everyone's going to stop back and be like, actually, wait a second. What does that mean? You know? And so then we start asking each other. So like, I was actually talking to my wife, uh, last week about um, what does it mean when she says she misses me, right? Not in an accusatory way, but just like, what does that actually what do you mean? mean? Expl- like, Explain yourself. What is your experience of that, right? <laughs> well, it's like, it just works in our household because we're both fairly neurodivergent, right? Um, but like to try to triangulate, like, because I always have the sense that, I, that I'm really confident I don't mean the same thing that other people mean when they, when they say something like that. But I don't know because I don't know what the experience is like, Right. And, and so, re, so like recognizing that fact and then trying to figure it out, like, what does this actually mean for you and your experience when you say this, when you, when you put these, when you string these words together to describe what, how, you're, what, how things are going or what you think, right? Um, what do those actually mean for you? Because we all think they mean the same thing, but they really, really don't. And, and it's hard to tell where things are just fuzzy and, but actually do really mean the same thing, right? Yeah. But we well, don't. No, until we triangulate versus things actually are fundamentally different. Yeah, I think that's what I was pointing out. The the because I think what I was looking at was, is basically asking the question like, where have I seen Adam with this with with what appears to be a similar uh, sense to what I felt in that particular moment? Which to me is like really what we're talking about. It's not it's not about praise. It's about validation. Like really, if you if you cut all the way down to the bottom of this thing, it's about validation. And so uh, those moments where where we've had experiences of validation regardless of regardless of what in the next breath we go and do are definitely those ones where it's like i think across all of us it has been true that those are those are always nice points to have right with regards to like seeing the the 99.9 uptime thing on on rumpus or whatever else um even if afterwards yeah. you're like oh yeah i mean i would never say it's not you know? yeah it's not nice to yeah i'm not saying it's not like nice to know that yeah. um and I don't but think you still got you still got work to do. Yeah, still got, but yeah, but, but I think I still think I still think we uh, that we don't like I don't know, and I don't think I don't get to decide like what your experience of this actually means, right, and vice versa. But my bet is they don't mean the same thing. Like in terms of like when you're talking like the experience that you had when you got like that thing from yeah. Person, I guess right? the thing I find interesting about it is like I don't I don't think they have to mean the same thing. Like that's what's wild because like I'm not uh, how to put it like because like you said. Everybody's a little bit different. And so even when you're talking to people and you're using the same words, you're actually saying, you're saying slightly different things, but enough of the meaning is shared. Does that make sense? Like, well, it depends on the thing, but yeah, often. Yeah. And so that's what I mean by that, which is like, well, it depends on what you mean by enough. Um, cause, cause I think that's, no, that's where to me, yeah, where all the I, conflict well, comes from between people is between, is the, is people making the assumption that they see things close enough to the same way that the differences don't matter. Right. And that is going to be true on a lot of dimensions, certainly. Um, but I think it's a lot less true than most people think, which I'm speaking of from my own experience based on what kinds of interactions I've had with people and how I understand other people seem to be and how they've explained themselves to me versus how I am and like what, so like what it means when I say certain things versus when they say certain things um, can be so different that one of them is literally offensive to the other person and not the other, right? Uh, so it does matter. 
but you don't know when. Yeah, but not, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think. But this is what I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing that 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 there are parts of things that don't match up that don't hit hit enough on the fuzziness part to be able to be a thing that you talk about. But I think it's also true that at some point you are you have to use the words you have at your you have to use words right to be able to communicate. Yeah, yeah, just, like, yeah but you, you should, are accepting know what they means, mean though. Right? But well, no, can't. that's exactly it. It's, that's what you're getting is, at. Is you, like, you can't know <laughs> what you're talking about. So I think you have to rely on some on some shared misunderstanding. Like there's there's always a shared level of like not, not knowing wrong. exactly what someone else means. Yeah, yeah. Well, with, well, yeah, yeah. But exactly. but what but what lives in that space though, in the uncertainty, uh, is potential conflict, hidden potential conflict, right? Because two people didn't know that the thing was slightly different. So yeah, we're not disagreeing uh, yeah, yeah. on like the idea that words don't mean the same thing. People have different experiences. Uh, I think the, the, the part we are disagreeing on is whether or not it's important for somebody else to know exactly what you mean. Um, yes. Which to me, it always is. Uh, but you know, I guess that's, I guess, I guess that's, that depends that. on what you mean by exactly. exactly. Yeah. It? This no, is my problem. I, I don't think you can have a hundred percent. I don't think you're going to have like a hundred percent of that uh, understanding ever shifted. Uh, of course you can. True. But why yeah. not strive for it? Oh, no, no. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm again, not saying you shouldn't try some piece of it, but I think the whole point is that like there is, you draw a line somewhere. I might be drawing a line somewhere else, but it's on the same, it's on the same continuum here. Right. Um, and so I think, I think a good about, example, mm-hmm. oh, sorry, good. I was gonna say, I think a good example of, of this is that since we had to split this episode in half because of Sam's tornado warning, uh, we each saved the first half of the episode. I saved it as Seth part one. Sam saved it as Sam A. Mm-hmm, and Adam mm-hmm. just saved his as Adam. And so then Adam was going to do Adam and Adam two. Sam was going to do Sam A B. <laughs> and I was going to do Seth part one, Seth part two. None of us communicated that in advance, but we had, but we had all we had said at the outset was we need to split this. Mm-hmm. And everybody just independently came up with completely different ways of conveying. That. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But also the whys of all of them are different too, probably, which is interesting too. Because the reason I didn't mind my way is because of the script that I wrote that automatically manages the mm. output of this for me, right? That's why right. I used my naming format, right. um, because that meant I got to still use my automation. And then there, and like I knew ahead of time there'd be like one extra step I'd have to do, but it would be easy because of how the rest of the automation works. Yep. Um, everybody's operating in a different context, yeah, different we're just, tools, and, and different doing goals, things for different yeah. reasons, right? Yeah. And uh, And so – um, yeah, anyway, I think the, the point, which I think is fairly hard to argue, which is just, it's, it's important to know what people mean, right? But just how important it is depends on the situation and what it is you're trying to accomplish. Uh, I think, and in my own opinion, speaking as a person who, uh, is very aware when I don't, that I don't know what people actually mean most of the time, um, it's means that I basically always am a little bit uncertain about, where a conflict is about to occur, right? And so I'm always unsettled. And and like sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, right? Because that's that's the nature of it. You don't, you don't actually know for sure. Um, and uh, and so for me, that's why it's it's important to actually know what people mean, right? Because like and yeah, I, I don't know. I've, I guess I find I'm not sure what the argument is the other way or what the action is that you take. You know, like what does it mean to say like, oh, I'm just going to say like, yeah. So people mean different things, and that's fine. Because what does that mean practically as a lived experience, right? Because for me, that means literally just being like, I'm not exactly sure what they mean, right? Mm-hmm. That's basically, that's the whole thing. And so now now it doesn't feel like it's two minds meeting. It doesn't feel like it's two people trying to 
trying to communicate as effectively as possible, given the you know weakness and the tools that we have for communication, which is mm-hmm. converting partially formed ideas into words, spitting them out and then hearing them and turning those back into ideas that go into our brains somehow, right? Um, yeah, so for me, it's just it's, important. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, yeah, I... I, I think in exploring something like uh, like the feeling of praise, for example, and trying to find um, basically analogies, uh, given the way you talk about things, to see if those match, right, mm-hmm. uh, is essentially me trying to see if the it's thing triangulate meaning exactly yeah. the thing that I'm yeah. talking about is a thing. If like if I've seen emotional resonance that again, like yes, appears similar, who knows if it is, uh, then I'm trying to triangulate if that is that thing. And so I think mm-hmm. this is one of those interesting spaces where it's like, you know, I'm not, I think what's, what's fascinating to me about coming to, coming to an agreement about definitions is that uh, you have to, you have to actually explore the space, which means you have to, in some ways, argue about what the hell things mean. And, and there's a big bunch of rabbit holes to go down there. I think importantly, well, even like, worse, even worse is that the mechanism you use to talk about definitions yes. is other words. And that's, yep. that's what I mean. That, that's what I mean when I say you never- You can never truly get to the bottom. Yeah, you can never it. truly get to the uh, bottom. And you and you yeah. also don't need to in the sense that there's basically, there's sort of, there's some sort of threshold at which enough of an understanding is made that like, that you can avoid. There's definitely a diminishing marginal return. Exactly. And so, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I of course there there is, but there's not an objective place where that's true. Right? There's not an objective point by which, like, as long as we all meet here and agree at this level of yeah, uncertainty, of yeah. that everyone's okay, right? So, uh, and that, and that, but point, that's okay anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. none of this is bad. This is just how the world works, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, yep. it's, uh, you have to, everybody has like whatever part of the line that they're on that they have to kind of figure out, right? And I, and I do disagree with the idea that like you're arguing to, to find the definition because the definition is invented. And all we actually have is our real experiences that are somehow referenced by that label of that term. Um, well, maybe, maybe as again, best as we understand maybe it. you're understanding the word argue in a different way than I'm trying to say, which is arguing being sort of you smashing your brain pans together until you get to a point where you're like, mm, we have an agreed upon model of how this works. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this, again, demonstration. Yeah. Which is why it's important to know what argue means, right? Yeah. But I think so, it's, yeah. but to back it up, it is one of those things where it's like, I don't, to clarify, I want you to feel like I'm trying to make you feel the feelings that I'm feeling with regards to this. What I'm trying to do is explore a metaphor. So I'm sorry if that like came off in that way. It sounded uh, like you were trying to convince me that my experience was different than I was, right? Which doesn't mean no. that that's what you were doing. But, but I, yeah, what I was trying to do is to figure out feels, how, you know? yeah, figure out how, given my I'm understanding what, what you mean. About, I'm trying to figure mm-hmm. out what the yeah. hell you mean because I've seen, <laughs> yeah. if yeah, if I've seen certain patterns because I've been around you a long time, then uh, then I could point out like, okay, but what about like this instance? And not in a way I'm like, ooh, what about this? You know what I mean? And so it's one of those, that's a, I get the reaction, but that wasn't the, mm-hmm. uh, the Well, because to me, the, no, it's but to me, the interesting part is not the coalescing on the same meaning. It's the exploration of what we each mean and what our experience is and our attempts to articulate them because that's where we learn about ourselves and other people and how we are like and not like other people mm-hmm. and how much and all that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, I think it's, I think it's always like, to me, it's always a fun place to explore. It's just, what does that, what does that mean? Right. What does it mean? Yeah. What do you mean when you say mean? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, the writing friend, I'm sure that's pretty much where you thought that question was going to go. <laughs> yep. So, uh-huh. um, 
Uh, and also, you know, thanks to our listeners, we did just like blow right past the normal ending uh, time for this for the podcast, did, yeah. but but that's okay because it's, it's a just, weird chopped just, up one. Everything's confusing, and plus, it's just know. extra free content that you didn't have to pay for. Mm-hmm. You know, just like just like the first, just like hour. all the rest of it. Uh-huh. Uh, but if you want to pay for it, you know, just go over to moneygrab.bscotch.net and you know you can and, go and do that. Yeah, please do. All right, well, that's all the time we have for this week. For real, though. Uh, so we would like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.